Hey, good morning, Grumlaw. My name is Jason Lowen. I'm the strategy pastor here. I'm just super excited to, to be here with you guys this morning. And hey, before we jump in, I just wanna give a huge shout out to our online hosts. They have been serving week in and week out and just been absolutely killing it. Uh, this morning, it's actually most of our staff team, but there's actually 20 or so volunteers that each and every week jump in, uh, serving uh, you guys, serving all of us, and then calling, following up and praying with each other. And they are just doing an awesome job. So just wanna give a shout out to you online hosts, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you for serving so well week in and week out. Well, in addition to being uh, the strategy pastor here at Grumlaw, I'm also gearing up as the, the lead pastor for Union Church, uh, which is gonna be launching on February 14th, 2021, uh, where our vision is to bring healing to a broken city by developing gospel advancing leaders so that the hope of Jesus transforms every corner of Flint Township. And we're super excited because God has been doing so many incredible things, so many miraculous things, and we are just getting started. Well, we're just getting started with Union Church, uh, but we're actually wrapping up. We're in part four uh, of this series, I Wanna Believe But. And if, and if you've missed any of the last three weeks, would really encourage you, go to grumlaw.com slash messages and get caught up. Let's make sure that the God that we're trusting, that he actually exists. Uh, as we looked at in week one, it's certainly not the on-demand God, right? It's not this God that just is gonna give us everything that we ask for, like some sort of cosmic Santa Claus. And uh, two weeks ago, uh, uh, we looked at the, the fact that it's not the, the heartbreak God. Shay just did a fantastic job taking this question that, that is so often asked, right? That, that if God is a good God, why would he allow bad things to happen to, to good people? And, and Shay just turned that question on its head uh, and, and really just showed us that, that, that the heartbreak God just doesn't exist. Uh, and then last week talked about the killjoy God. I uh, would really encourage you if, you, if you missed any of the last three weeks, go and check out grumlaw.com slash messages or go to Grumlaw Church anywhere you guys grab your podcast and get caught up because these are some really, really important things for us to be looking at. Uh, well, it's gonna be a little bit different this morning. I, I'm actually not gonna be getting off this chair. Uh, you probably see I got this really crazy contraption on my knee. Uh, it was actually Good Friday, April 10th. Um, I was hanging something in the backyard for my kids. Uh, and I lost my balance. Uh, I was about two, three rungs up on a ladder, lost my balance, came down on the inside of my foot and dislocated my knee. It was, it was seriously like the most painful thing that I've ever experienced. And, and while I'm, I'm literally lying on the ground, screaming, probably more screaming than I've ever done since I was a baby. Uh, but it was in that moment, I, I knew I had this sense that like, God's not gonna waste this season of my life. But, but I'll get back to that in a little bit. Uh, this morning, we're gonna be wrapping up uh, this series, I Want to Believe But, and we're gonna be talking about another God that just doesn't exist. And, and I think that a lot of us, that we've pursued this God at different times in our lives, it's, it's the boyfriend God. It's, it's the pursuit of a God that we can always feel. Uh, whether it's that, whether it's that like ooey gooey, tingly feeling that sometimes we get, or or maybe like an overwhelming sense of peace, or or like a supercharged sense of confidence, or maybe it's like when we're singing, like it's it's just being moved to tears because we can we can feel him. So it's this, it's this belief, or or rather this doubt that creeps in that that if God really exists, why can't I feel him? That that I need to feel him if I'm going to believe in him. Now, now, in case you're thinking, well, well, Jason, you're, you're a pastor. So you probably have like this super special relationship with God. You, you probably like feel him all the time. Well, I, I just wanna like in full transparency, let you know that that's just, that's just not the case. As a matter of fact, I, I don't 
often feel God. Uh, now, now, don't get me wrong. Like, if I were to die today, I, I have 100% confidence that I would spend eternity with God in heaven. Like, 100% confidence, both in my relationship with God and in my eternal destiny. But, but I don't. I don't often feel him. I, I do on occasion feel him or, or have a sense of what he's speaking to me, but it doesn't happen a ton. As a matter of fact, my, my wife uh, is someone that does more often than not feel him. And, and she, she has been praying on a regular basis that I would begin to feel him more. Uh, maybe you have someone like that in your life. Like for me, it's my wife. And she often gets those like tingly feelings or that, that like overwhelming sense of peace that, that like just can't be explained other than the fact that it was God. And there's even been several occasions where she's like heard him, right? Where, where it's not like an audible voice that others can hear, but she just has this impression, this deep impression on her heart that it was God that was speaking directly to her and, 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 and it's wild, uh, so sometimes it comes when she's like blasting worship music and just has her arms outstretched and she's just praising God and dancing. And then all of a sudden it's like something happens, something changes and she just like breaks down and starts crying because she, she has this encounter with God or, or sometimes it's, it's when she's in the middle of, of her daily encounter, that time that she's carved uh, out of her day to, to spend time with God, reading the Bible and, and praying. But it's not every time and it's not, an, every, an all, always sort of a thing, right? And, and honestly, if, if Laura or anyone else for that matter, if they, if they felt God all the time, it, it wouldn't require faith. I mean, I mean, think about that for a minute. If you felt God all the time, it wouldn't require faith. I, I don't know if it's just my like skeptical side, but especially for people that I don't, don't know all that well, uh, every time somebody says like, I felt God or, or God told me, I, I always wonder like, did you really hear him? Did you really feel him? Or, or was it just like bad chicken that you ate the night before? And again, maybe it's just me being super skeptical, but, but the question I always have is like, how do you know? How do you know? I mean, really, how do you know that it was actually the God of the universe, right? I mean, the creator of everything, the God that can speak a word and something would come into existence that didn't previously exist. I mean, how do you know? That it was the God, uh, the God of the universe, the God who was born as a baby, who lived a perfect life, who died for my sins, who died for the sins of the world, who, who went face to face with death, who literally battled death and won this God. Like, how do you know? that you actually felt this God. And if this morning uh, you find yourself asking this question or, or if you've ever asked this question, then tell you what, you're, you're asking the right sorts of questions. And in some ways, I wish that I had a better answer for you, but, but really the answer to that question, how do you know that it was really God? It's a very individualistic thing. Uh, and so I'd encourage you, if you're asking that question, there's two things that you can do. One, like just be super brutally honest with yourself. But then two, examine what you're feeling or maybe the direction that you believe that God's calling you. Examine it against what's written in the Bible. Uh, I mean, there, there's so much that's revealed in the Bible about the character of God and about the truths of who he is. So examine it against that. Uh, and if you're unsure if this sense that you're getting or maybe that the feelings that you're getting, if it does in fact line up with who God is, then ask someone. You could ask your connect group leader, uh, or, or you could uh, you could even you could even email us here at info at grumlaw.com uh, and, and we could help you. We would love to help you walk through this and, and get some clarity in your life. 
But, but there is another question. There's another question that we can ask, maybe taking a little bit of a different approach to this question. And I'm hoping uh, that as we take a look at this question, that it's gonna be super helpful for each of us. So, so here's, here's the question. What might be preventing you from feeling God? Right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a great question because I, I think for some of us, especially if you're like brand new to this whole church, faith, spiritual thing, like examining a feeling or like a quiet impression that may or may not have been from God, like that's pretty far out there. But I think for us, like we can start here. This is like this real raw, honest question uh, that, that I think is a great place for us to start. What's preventing me? What's preventing you from feeling God? And honestly, there's lots of people, lots of Jesus followers that have wrestled with this question. Uh, this guy, David, this, this man who is called a man after God's own heart, uh, he writes this in Psalm uh, 88, verses 13 and 14. And I would actually classify Psalm 88, the way I've talked about it, is, this is like the darkest corner of scripture. And until we get to see some, some of this stuff, he says, oh Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. Oh Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? And, and it was revealed shortly after Mother Teresa's death that, that she, would, she would often go weeks, sometimes even years without feeling or hearing from God. And then even Jesus, right? The second person of the Trinity, as he's hanging on the cross, there, there's something that breaks in his relationship with, with the Father. And I don't fully understand this, but, but here's what Jesus says. He says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So, so if you've ever felt this way, if you've ever asked these sorts of questions, you're not alone. You're, you're in great company because if he exists, I mean, if, if God loves you enough to die for you, then, then certainly he loves you enough to answer you in, in your time of great need. So then this question, what's preventing you from feeling him? And I'd say there, there's three possible things. There's three possible reasons why you might not be feeling God. And the first one is this, may, maybe you're over-sensationalizing it. Right? Maybe you're, you're looking so hard for some sort of like sign, for some sort of like divine miraculous confirmation that you're supposed to, I don't know, maybe take this new job or marry him or marry her uh, or, or start having kids or, or maybe this, maybe, maybe it's joining the launch team of Union Church. I mean, like decisions like this, decisions that, are, that we're facing, they, they have huge implications for our lives and we just don't wanna mess it up. Well, the disciples... Uh, some of Jesus' closest followers and others that were following him, uh, they did the same sort of thing. In, in John chapter six, verse 30, let's, let's check this out. It says, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? And it seems like maybe a little bit of a callous question, but, but if you look at kind of where they're at in, in relation to Jesus' earthly ministry, I mean, the, the, Jesus' followers and the crowds, they were at a crossroads, right? I mean, they were being confronted with the decision. Do, do, do we give up our father's trades and do we go all in with this Jesus guy, with, with this rabbi, with this teacher? And, and we've talked about this before here at Grumlaw that, that following this rabbi, like being called to follow Jesus, like it was a very prestigious thing in this culture. And so there's certainly like an amount of like honor that will come in, in being asked to follow Jesus. But, but it also came with, with this question, like, am I gonna give up what I know? Am I gonna give up this known source of income? Am I gonna give up this 
life that I'm like familiar with. So I mean, really, they, they just want to know like, Jesus, are you for real? Are you for real? I, I'd encourage you this week, uh, maybe to read the rest of John chapter six, because Jesus, he doesn't give them the miraculous sign that they were begging him for. Instead, he just says, believe. He says, trust. He says, have faith, knowing that the object of their faith was gonna be him. That this wasn't a blind faith. It was a faith in the God of the universe. This God that had proven himself over and over and over again over the course of like several thousand years. And then for us, like we, we have the, the, the blessing of being able to look back. We know that it's this God who, who paid the penalty for our sin. He conquered sin, he conquered, the, conquered death and he conquered the grave. And then he said that we can trust in him. This is faith. I mean, this is faith, right? It, but, but if faith were simply being driven by this like tingly feeling, if, if God had to ring some sort of like cosmic bell in our soul so that we would know that it's truly him, then it's not really faith. And so maybe, maybe the reason why you're not feeling him is, is you, you've over-sensationalized it. But the second reason, the second reason that you may not be feeling or, or hearing from God, and, and this, one's just a, this one's just more challenging to, to talk about, but I, I know that it's something that we need to talk about. The second reason is that, that maybe sin has hardened your heart. And, and as one of your pastors, my, my heart behind talking about this is, is genuinely out of a love, love for you, love, desire to see you living the type of life that God would want you to live. It, it, I have no desire to come down on anyone or to make anyone feel less than or judged or condemned. I mean, as a matter of fact, Paul wrote, writes in Romans chapter eight, verse one, he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So, so for, for those of us who have trusted Jesus, who, who've trusted that his death on the cross 2000 years ago, that, that it paid the penalty for my sin. And then when he rose from the dead three days later, uh, that, that he conquered sin, death in the grave, and he did it for me so that I might experience eternal life and abundant life. And, and it's this abundant life that's in jeopardy when we sin. Uh, our eternal life is 100% secure in the moment that we trust in him. Uh, Romans chapter eight, verses, verses 38 and 39. It's kind of my like go-to verse anytime that either I have questions or doubts that arise in my own heart uh, or, or maybe in talking with someone that, that is questioning. It's, it has given me so much confidence knowing that there's absolutely nothing that I can do or nothing that could be done to me that would ever possibly separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But as a Jesus follower, when I sin, when you sin, when, when we sin, that trust is broken. That intimate relationship with this incredible, loving, like grace-filled God of the universe, it's broken. I mean, and that's what the abundant life is, right? It's a life lived in confidence, knowing that this God is directing my path, that he loves me unconditionally at all times. This is the abundant life. And that's what's at risk when, when we live in sin, when we refuse to acknowledge sin, when we, when we continually to choose to sin and we refuse to change, even though God is like trying to draw us out of that sin, trying to draw us back to him. In, in the gospel of, of Matthew, uh, Jesus, Jesus talks about this. He talks about what happens when we choose to sin. He says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand 
When you see what I do, you will not comprehend for the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Man, this, this is not a good place to be. I don't know about you, maybe this morning you're wondering if this is you. Maybe there was a time in your life where you used to hear from him, where you used to feel his presence, but it's been such a long time. And, and maybe this morning you're wondering if, if sin's in the way, if sin has hardened your heart, and now, now you just, you can't even turn to him. Like, you can't hear him, you can't see him. But I think there's another side of this too. I think that there's probably a lot of us that are here this morning that are engaged in this message that are probably thinking like, okay, but Jason, like I haven't killed anyone and I'm not sleeping with someone that's not my wife. So like, that's not me. This is getting a bit awkward. So pastor, come on, like, let's move on. Let's get on with this. But, but I actually, I actually wanna camp on this just for a moment. I know it's awkward, but we're just gonna lean into the awkward because I think that especially in this Western American Christian culture, I think that a lot of us that we've sanitized what God calls sin and we've just learned to live with it. And so in turn, we've learned to live with the consequences of that sin, which means then that we've had to learn to live with the reality that we're not gonna experience God in the same way, that we're not gonna feel him, we're not gonna hear from him. I mean, in this culture, I think that especially when it comes to like morality and spirituality, like there's this pervasive, everybody's doing it. So it can't be all that bad. But like, that's not a great rationale. Like I remember my parents used to use that same rationale with me uh, when they were like, well, if everybody's like, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? Like, well, yeah, if there's water under it, of course I'm gonna, if everybody jumps off of a plane, would you? I'm like, Yeah, when I was 18, I did that. Yeah, I mean, I had a parachute on, but yeah. Like, it's just terrible rationale. And yet for some reason, when it comes to morality and spirituality, it's like, well, everybody's doing it, can't be all that bad. But but it just sneaks in, right? And we just start living with it. I I think maybe for some of us, it's envy, right? We get our phones out, we just start like scrolling through the gram, right? And, and, And we find ourselves like longing for like the latest purse or the newest guitar or right, an accessory for our car or truck. And it's like, but dang it, if they have it, then I should probably have it too. I don't know if you knew, but like, that's one of the big 10. Like that made it right up there with like, do not murder is do not desire and covet and long for the things that your neighbor has. Maybe it's lust. It could be that you're struggling with like this addiction to pornography, but, but it could be more simple than that. Maybe it's that every time that like he or she walks by or drives by or is working out at the gym or posts a video on YouTube or Instagram, like you just happen to be there. You just like happen to be there and say hi or like and comment. And, and you notice that like your eyes are just like lingering a little bit more as they walk by. And then, then all of a sudden your mind starts wandering in places that it didn't used to go. And the reality is, is that Jesus is so super clear about this longing, this desire, that even if it's just in your mind, uh, it, we see this in Matthew chapter 5, 27 through 30. I'm not gonna read the whole passage, but, but Jesus is super crystal clear about this, that lust, that's what Jesus calls this, lust, it's just as bad as adultery. Did you hear that? It's just as because it brings incredible harm to you and to those that you love. And, and ultimately it, it breaks this trust, it breaks this relationship between you and God. So maybe, 
Maybe you sanitize some stuff, some sin in your life. Maybe it's hardened your heart because for such a long time now, like he, God has been trying to get your attention and you've just been ignoring him. And now you can no longer feel him or hear him. But maybe that's not you. Maybe it's like, man, like I'm not over, I'm not over sensationalizing it. Like I, I'm really like trying to value my heart right now, Jason. I don't think that there's like sin that's crept in that's hardened my heart. And, and so there's a third reason. There's a third reason that maybe you're not hearing from him. And maybe it's that God is trying to draw you closer to him. Think about this. Deprivation draws out desire. When you're deprived of something that you love or that you really enjoy, right? Then, then you, you, you want more of it. Right? I mean, I, I, can anyone else relate to that? I, I know I can. Like if there's times where I haven't eaten for a long period of time, like I get hungry. Or like if I haven't drank anything, I get thirsty. I, I know right now my kids can really appreciate this idea that deprivation draws out desire because for the first like six weeks or more of this like stay at home order, um, not super proud of this, but uh, it was just honestly easier to let my kids do however much screen time they wanted. Like we got their schoolwork done. It took like a solid hour. Um, and, and then we pretty much just let them do whatever they wanted. And again, not proud of that, but we realized that it was creating some major like attitude problems and behavioral issues. And so we're like, we're going to pull back on that. We're going to go into like a, this season of a screen time break. And so seriously, for the first three days, we didn't let them do a thing. And maybe every 30 seconds they were asking if they can get on their Xbox, if they can watch a TV show, if they can get a phone out, but we, we held strong. So parents, like if that's where you're at and you need to go into a screen time break, like wait at least three days, right? You, you can get through that. Uh, but deprivation draws out desire. I know husbands, you know this, right? Like as a husband, if you're deprived of something for a season, then it draws, out, this, okay. Um, so since, since God created us, and he knows us so super well. He, he knows that one of the ways that he can draw us closer to him, that he can increase our desire for him is in a season of silence. I mean, what if, what if God in his wisdom and in his incredible love for you, what if he intentionally kept himself from you for a season in order to draw you out of a place of like familiarity and comfort? What, what if he creates in you through this season, like a holy discontentment so that you might pursue him with a greater sense of urgency? And with us as Jesus followers, he does this in very intimate individual ways, but, but it's even better than that because he does this for all of his creation. We see this in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. He says, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. Like God loves all of us, right? His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. So God, in times and in seasons of our lives. Like he intentionally puts us in a place, allows us to be in these situations where we might like seek harder after him so that when we hear from him, when we feel him and experience him, it's so much better. I, I mentioned earlier when I was sharing a little bit about how I injured my knee uh, that, that I knew in that moment that, that God wasn't gonna waste this season of my life. 
Well, it, it was later that morning, it actually crept into the afternoon. I was, I was lying in the hospital bed in the ER at McLaren and, and, and I, I, knew, I knew in that moment, after everything I just heard from the doctors, that, that I was facing like a really serious, significant surgery on my knee. And as I was lying there kind of processing that, like I had this crazy impression. Like I felt God say to me that, that he was gonna need to do like a significant heart surgery on me. And that this is gonna be the perfect season for him to operate and deal with some stuff that I had been ignoring for many years. And then on May 7th, so just less than a month later, on May 7th, it happened. My, my, my heart had been like softened enough to hear his voice and to begin to process this, this change in my heart. Uh, so, so Laura was sitting uh, the other side of the room. She was sitting in a chair. She was reading the Bible and she was praying and like that, that like daily encounter, she was engaged in that. And, and I, I was sitting on the couch in the other side of the room and I, I was just uh, dreaming about Union Church and processing some different stuff that God had placed on my mind. And, and so w- without really being considerate of what she was doing, I just started talking. Uh, and then after a few minutes and like a break in my monologue, uh, she gently asked if, if I would just give her a few minutes. Uh, and she reminded me that like, I, I was doing to her what, what I often dislike and get upset with her when she does to me, that, that I was interrupting her quiet time. And then like, it, in a defensive, like very disrespectful tone, like I shot back to her trying to put her in her place reminding me like, that's what you do to me. And thinking in that moment that I had like won, as if you can win, right? Uh, thinking that I had won the interaction, I, I went back to what I was doing. Then it happened, like in a super kind, loving manner, Laura spoke up and said, Jason, you did it again. And it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit took like a holy two by four and like just smacked me upside the head. And it was in that moment where like flashing through my mind where countless instances uh, of times where, where Laura had confronted me of responding to her with anger or being mean or throwing words back in her face and being disrespectful, like, like a decade of this stuff. And it just like, it broke me. My, my heart had become so hard and callous to the work that the Holy Spirit was trying to do in my life that I didn't even see it. I... I, I was totally spiritually blind to what he was doing. But in that moment, it was as clear as day. It was almost laughable. Uh, the, the God told me that he didn't need any help convincing Laura of her faults. And if you know Laura, uh, you know that that's one of her greatest strengths, that, that when she messes up, she is so super quick to admit her faults and ask her forgiveness. I mean, Looking back at it now, like it's almost laughable, the deception that was in my own heart, thinking that somehow I, I had convinced myself that like I, I needed to point out her faults when really the whole time it was the Lord trying to crack open my heart that had become so hard. And, and so it was just a few hours later, uh, it was around lunchtime uh, as, as the two of us were sitting around the table and I, 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 just, I just shared with her what the Holy Spirit had been doing in my heart. And I, I asked for her forgiveness of like a decade of throwing so much stuff back in her face of being disrespectful, of just being downright mean at times. And of, of course she was like so quick to forgive me. And, and then after like a few minutes of, of conversation, like she got this big grin on her face and she started like almost like chuckling and she wasn't like laughing at me at all. It was just laughing at the situation. She, she was like, finally you see it. Like finally you see what I see. 
man, talk about a breakthrough. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very glad that I injured my knee, right? It, all along, God was trying to use my wife to speak to me, but I was ignoring him. Like, he, and, then, and then he used this, this injury to my knee to, to slow me down, to remove distractions because it was that serious. And then, then he, used this, my, he used my daily encounter over the course of that month to, to soften my heart and make me ready. So, so what's preventing you from feeling God, from hearing his voice, from understanding the direction that he's leading you, from, from what he's trying to say to you in maybe a season of silence? Where has he been trying to connect with you and you've been ignoring him or, or maybe just rejecting what he's been telling you? My, my encouragement to you would be to lean in, to, to like listen carefully, ask for clarification, but then listen. Like you can't always expect a yes because he's a good father and sometimes a no is, is genuinely what's best for you. Maybe like in my case, there's sin that has broken trust between you and God and there's something, some significant heart work that needs to be done. But then this, like when you hear his voice, when you clearly feel his loving hand, like guiding you in a new direction, there, there's two things that I want you to remember. One, one, it's, it will always line up with his word and his character. And then two, lean in and respond. Like, I mean, you, you have the God of the universe that's, that's speaking to you, that's, that's leading you, guiding you. And so maybe for you, it's gonna be, man, just, just like, it's gonna cause you to weep and cry, or maybe it's gonna cause you to like, wanna worship him more or just laugh or celebrate, but whatever it is, lean in and respond. But then for those of us that are maybe right now or, or upcoming is gonna be a season of not feeling God. Guys, it doesn't mean that he has ceased to exist. It doesn't mean that he's ignoring you or that he has rejected you. No, no, build, build the relationship in this season of silence. And I, I would say this to you, your daily encounter is the single most important thing that you could do. It's literally more important than food or water or air. Like it's, he is that important. And so there's some super practical things that you could do in these seasons of silence to, to become more in tune with God and then ultimately be able to hear him or feel him more clearly. And, and maybe for some of you, you, you gotta like begin developing this, this daily encounter. I encourage you to start in one of the four gospels, right? The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the biographical, account, biographical accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. Or, or you can read along with the rest of Grumlaw Church as we're going through the book of Romans, we're reading a chapter a day. Uh, so start there. But, but then as the daily encounter has become like a, a habit, it's become a part of your life, would you consider adding one of four things, either worship, prayer, journaling, or silence? Uh, and maybe for some of you, after you've, you've spent that time uh, like in the Bible, reading and praying, it's, it's man, like, I, I just wanna go and like praise Jesus. I wanna go worship him. I wanna go sing. And so maybe you're like, like me, like a little bit self-conscious about your voice. So like go lock yourself in the car and just belt it out. Or maybe it's a time of like adding prayer or, or journaling. I know for me, like that was something that I added a couple years ago, journaling my prayers to my heavenly father. It was just such a rich time. I, I think all of us would, would really benefit in this season from adding a time of silence. Maybe just start with one minute and then build to three and then maybe even more than that. But just a time of like not talking, not really thinking about like what you need to go grocery shopping for or anything like that. Just thinking about what you've just read in your Bible and then focus on listening. Quiet your soul. And just listening. 
And so that's what I'd love for all of us who would consider ourselves Jesus followers today. Would you, would you, would you even right now in the chat, like which one of these four resonate with you? What are you going to add to your daily encounter? Is it going to be worship, prayer, journaling, or silence? Guys, the, the boyfriend God, he doesn't exist. It's way better. He's way better. He's the God of the universe and he's pursuing 